everyone loves a Cinderella story, even when it comes to something like a Scrabble tournament. And that's the best way to describe Montrealer Michael Fagan's big win at the North American Scrabble Championships last week in Baltimore. Scrabble enthusiasts from 42 states and nine countries converged in Maryland for the board game's North American Championships. It had been canceled in 2020 and 2021 by the pandemic. Brings together 290 players from Canada. Fagan was one of seven players from the Montreal Scrabble Club. It was his fourth trip to these championships. He was a long shot heading in. He was seated at the bottom half of his division, 28th out of 42 players. If you were playing NCAA brackets, that would be pretty low. Not to mention this, he almost didn't go. You see, his direct flight to Baltimore, speaking of something we've talked about a lot on this show, his direct flight to Baltimore had been canceled. His mom said, don't bother. You're going to have to, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hassle. But he said, it's the only, this is the big one I need to go. So he took a 10 hour bus ride to New York City from Montreal, followed that up by a three hour train trip to Baltimore. And lo and behold, he made it all the way to the best of five final where he met the number two ranked player on the continent. His opponent had said earlier that he had spent roughly eight hours a day for the past month preparing, studying a list of more than 10, a hundred thousand approved words up for grabs ten thousand dollars us for the first prize and of course bragging rights as the continent's so-called top word nerd and that title now belongs to montrealer michael fagan who joins me now welcome to the show congratulations thank you man yeah it must still be sinking in a little bit how you feeling very happy very excited very thrilled but also very surprised especially as you said being one of the seated in the lower half i certainly wasn't expecting to win the tournament or even yeah. come close but somehow i managed to do it yeah well, i mean you've played in lots of tournaments at this point including i think this was your fourth of these uh what went right for you uh in this one i think there's a lot that comes down to being a good scrapper player and overall i'd probably say it's about three parts skill two parts luck and one part attitude and sometimes <laughs> when you have it all the results can be really good it's also like what happens with your opponents because it's just as important for you to do as well as you can as this to try and stop your opponents from doing well. So it's you don't want to think of the game like solitaire, but think of it as like you're trying to just score more points than the opponent by the end of the game. That's how you win the game, and that's the ultimate goal, to do that as many times as possible. Yeah, but how does it work in a tournament like that? Because it must be quite a bit of pressure. You're playing against very good players. Um, what is it like to go into one and, and sort of how do you keep your cool playing so many uh, sort of people who are either as good or perhaps better than you are at it? I mean, I guess like it's a process and having, I started playing at Club Scrabble when I was 14. And even before then, I'd play casual games with my mother a club. We have a weekly club that meets every Wednesday at around 7 p.m. It's in Cote St. Luke, so I'd encourage you to check it out. And you don't have to be an expert at all in the game. They're very welcoming of new players. They can give you like what's called a cheat sheet that has lots of useful words on it, so you won't feel as like intimidated or overwhelmed. And we have players at the club of all levels, so they're not going to pair you with me if you're the first. If it's your first time, that just wouldn't be fun for anyone, I don't think. No, um, I guess it's really a question, and you've said this, that it's as much about, it's all about words, but it's also about math. Yeah, and in fact, this might surprise people, but there's a lot of math in the game. First of all, like, you have to figure out like how many points 
your words are scoring the score and look at like other options as well and figure out how many points they're going to score. There's also like a probability element because you don't know for sure what tiles you're going to pick from the bag. You don't know what your opponent's letters are. So it's about like calculating like what are the chances of them having like a certain letter or like a certain play available. So there's definitely a lot of math that goes into the game, but also like there's a lot of spatial awareness that's important that like you have to be able to like see the plays on the board, but you might have to like rearrange the letters on your rack to find a word. You also want to look where on the board can you score like the most points are there certain spots that are conducive to scoring. So like when you make your plays, you know, you want to take all that into account. And also, as I said earlier, like try and make it harder for your opponent. So sometimes like if there's a good spot on the board that could be used by both players scoring a lot of points. Maybe it's just best to take that spot, even if you don't have a great play there, just to make sure your opponents can't go there. Yeah, you mentioned it's not solitaire, right? Um, I understood, I understand that one of the things that really pushed you to victory is you essentially uh, hit two bingos, as they're called, in, in those final rounds, a bit like a hole-in-one, right, to some extent, or maybe an eagle, to use a golf uh, a golf analogy, what is a bingo and, and how rare is it to hit two playing at that level? So in Scrabble, you have seven letters on your rack at all times, except when the bag is empty. And if you use all seven letters in a single turn, you get 50 bonus points. And that's what's known as a bingo. Since it's they usually score very well, a key part of the game is trying to bingo a lot, but also trying to like, so it's very useful to know seven letter words, but also eight letter words, since if you can play your seven tiles around a letter, already on the board that's also a bingo so it's definitely very useful to know those words but it's also useful to find safe letters like safe combinations of letters that will likely form a bingo so after you make your play instead of just thinking about that turn think about what you're saving for next turn think about the letters you're leaving like if you leave like something like i i i there's a good chance you're not going to have a good rack on your next Rack. If you have something like S-T-E-A-R, which are common English letters and there are a lot of seven letter words with those letters, assuming you know some of the bingos, you'll have a good chance of, sorry, I mean, assuming like you know some basic words, there's a good chance you'll be able to play all seven tiles on your next round, on your next turn. So there's a lot, there's definitely a lot that goes into the game. And is it rare to score two bingos at that level though? Because obviously your opponent's trying to prevent you from doing that, right? It's actually pretty common, and oh, is it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there could, there's a lot. There's, there could be a lot of spaces on the board where you can bingo, and the other things like your opponent doesn't know if you're going to bingo or not. So while there's some players that can play like very closed boards and like try and block you from playing a bingo, sometimes that's not always the best strategy. Sometimes it's rather than making a low scoring play that really closes the board, it might be better to make like a slightly a higher scoring play that keeps the board open because. Maybe there's also, even if there's an opening there, maybe your opponent won't be able to take that spot. So some people like to play a close and some people are very good. Who, there are definitely some very good close, close board players. I'm personally not one of them. I definitely prefer open boards. I just seem to do better. That's just part of my style. Yeah, I, I know the words were co-equates and uh, leverates. I believe that's how you pronounce it, which are, which are great words. Um, was there a point there where you thought, oh, wow, I'm going to win this thing? Was there a moment where it sort of occurred to you that you were on a real roll? Yeah, so after I played Lever Eights, which was a bingo, there were just two tiles left in the bag. So after I picked those two tiles, I knew the game was almost over, and that put me way ahead. I was like 100 points ahead, and I knew at that point there was no way my opponents could catch up before the end of the game. So, And I knew that by winning that game, that I would win the championship. 
I'm speaking with Michael Fagan. He is the North American Scrabble champion. Uh, he won that uh, in Baltimore uh, recently with a couple of very big words, uh, bingos, as he's been explaining, and uh, took home a title despite being a long shot really going in. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more just about his love of Scrabble. I believe it started a long time ago with fridge magnets, like many of us when we first learned to spell words, uh, and some uh, some games with his mom. We've all played with our parents at some point. And maybe just what the difference is between being an amateur player and being a pro. How is it that you see the game differently? That's next. Our guest this half hour is Michael Fagan in Montreal. He is the Scra Scrabble Players Champion um, after winning a tournament in Baltimore over uh, the weekend. A, a huge accomplishment for anyone, especially in his case. He went in ranked uh, relatively low. It was a bit of a long shot, but he did have a lot of tournament experience. I gather, though, Michael, that your love of this goes back a long ways, back to the fridge and those fridge magnets that we all used to play with when we were kids. That's right. So when I was three years old, I was just... I was playing with those fridge magnets and my parents like eventually noticed that like I was when I was putting up the letters, I was putting them up in the same order every time that I was just putting them up randomly. But when they realized like it was a pattern, that was kind of a bit of a hint to them that maybe I have some sort of knack when it comes to words. And also the, my parents were once playing a casual game of Scrabble and like when they left the board out to take a break, why don't for do whatever, I started apparently taking the tiles and rearranging them to form the names of some of my classmates at age three. That's pretty, and you did start playing with your, I mean, a lot of us have played Scrabble with our parents. You started playing with your mom. Uh, did it take long before you were winning? I mean, I think we used to kind of play together when I was really young. And then like eventually maybe when I was like 10, I started playing like by myself against my mother. I think back then she usually used to win, but. Eventually, I just started getting like, better at the game, playing casually. And when I was 14, my mother found this club that I joined and been pretty much hooked ever since. You said that it's not just about the Scrabble, though, not just about, clearly, you love words, you're good at it. But it's also, there's a social aspect to it as well that is always part of board games. But Scrabble is a really great social activity as well, isn't it? I agree. And actually, in the first half of my life, I was not at all a social person. Now, I remember she found some like social groups for me, like just before Scrabble. And actually, I remember like when I started playing Scrabble, it was just as like some of my social groups were like ending. So I wonder if the timing is a coincidence. It probably isn't. But you really get to meet like a lot of new people of like all ages who share a love for the same game. And you can really meet a lot of new people. And <laughs> You don't have to be an expert to make friends. Some people just fight, like to play the game like it's a social outing. Some people really like to, like at the higher levels, like to really talk about the game, analyze the game and discuss it because due to the nature of the game, sometimes even the top players don't always agree on what's the best move. Sometimes it depends who the opponent is. Sometimes it depends on your playing style. It's not always obvious. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's like the Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you've seen that about chess. There's a lot of strategy involved. What is the difference when you found yourself sort of becoming better and better and now winning? What do you think the difference is between the way someone like you now sees a Scrabble board versus how an amateur sees a Scrabble board? How has it changed for you? I mean, as I got better and like I played more, I learned more words. I also got to learn a lot from people who were better than me. So I could learn things like strategy, some like... More, more words. I'll stop at it like finding plays because like sometimes like the more you do something, the better you get. So I learned like how to find plays over the board more naturally. I also, also like tracking is another thing I eventually learned 
that's when you keep track of like which tiles have been played. That's because a game there are always 100 tiles with the same distribution. So as the tiles are played, you know like what's left in the bag. And once the bag is empty, you can figure out exactly what the opponent has. And you can use that to your advantage all loud. To, it's all legal, even in yeah. tournaments. Yeah, like card counting, but not really. Uh, do you do you study a lot? Do you work a lot at this? Like, do you prep a lot? Do you study a lot for these tournaments? I do. Some people have reported, including Boy Swift, who was playing against me in the finals. He reported studying eight hours a day for like the month before the tournament. I wouldn't say I study that much, but recently I like to mix that between like studying new words, playing games, and there's a lot of computer programs where you can type in the your rack, the board position. And then it makes suggestions and sometimes you try and figure out like why it's making a specific suggestion and that can really lead to like maybe thinking like outside the box and thinking on like a a new level thinking about it a little bit differently and sometimes that can really give you insight as to like what's an even better play than what you might think and also Is like it... analyzing games what works well what doesn't work well so sometimes just for me like a mix of that and i guess over the years it's really gotten I've really gotten good at it. It's really helped me. Yeah, no kidding. Because it's not all about the vocabulary, right? It's not all about how extensive a vocabulary you have. I mean, I have to agree. Like most other players there, I bet they know more words than me, which is part of the reason I was really surprised to win the tournament. But it's more than just vocabulary. than other areas, like skill, luck, I just like, I took, I did like everything correctly. Yeah. As, overall, I definitely say I was lucky with the letters I pulled. And my opponents probably weren't so lucky with what, got but definitely takes more than just luck to win i know you played in a lot of tournaments this was again your fourth time at this big one um is there any pressure do you feel any pressure now sometimes winning brings with it responsibility sometimes but i've been a good player for a long time so i'm definitely like used to winning i'm used to like playing games for like money because there are cash prizes for you don't have to necessarily you don't you don't have to like win to get a cash prize it sounds like they play like the top like five places or depending on the division size like the top few places and in tournaments will often have like different divisions so if you're relatively new to the game you probably won't be playing in the top division and if you finish near the top of your division you can still win some really nice cash so that could be an, a way to encourage people to try out the game yeah and it's still fun for you though you still enjoy playing it you still have when you go and play no matter how much pressure there is or what the circumstances are how much do you still enjoy just sitting down with the bag of tiles and an empty board there's that and sometimes people just like enjoy being in the limelight they enjoy being like streamed everyone can watch the game some people just really like that and yeah. i'm one of those people so for me it was like a not really pressure but like a big honor to get that well michael fagan uh congratulations good luck in your uh future tournaments and uh, yeah you, you've done uh you've done canada proud <laughs> p-r-o-u-d on a triple word score <laughs> <laughs> For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.